When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there this is all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. listen if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the lakers fast break medium.com Slash basketball dash university. Of course, what Laker Tom does also as well on medium.com, Lakerholics.com, and of course, everyone at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, game two is in the books for the NBA Finals, and we're back once again to go ahead and give a recap of the game. The Bucks look like we're going to give them a little bit more energy coming in, but a poor second quarter, unfortunately, did the Milwaukee Bucks in as the Phoenix Suns kept their distance, got down to as low as five, but they pretty much, for the most part, could not catch up with the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns at home beat the Milwaukee Bucks 118 to 108. And here today to talk about the game is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he does at basketball-university on medium.com. It is Spencer Young and Spencer Thank you for staying up late. Appreciate it. Your perception of the game, because my thoughts really comes down to defense, defense, defense. The defense that the Phoenix Suns played on the backcourt of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, and the defense that Milwaukee didn't play on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, well, you make a good point because Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton really struggled, and you know, I'm sure Bucks fans are in love with Chris Middleton right now um, after that performance. And, you know, and they're comparing Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe, which is always good to see. But, yeah, I think the Bucks have an inherent problem with having Brooke Lopez on the floor, and they can't contain the pick and roll. And they put Bobby Portis on the floor. And he was on the... He was on the floor at the same time as Cameron Payne, and they decided to trap Cameron Payne and leave DeAndre Aiden. They did that about three times, and that that was in the span of only five minutes because Bobby Portis only played five minutes. Yeah, it was five minutes in the first quarter when you had the lead, and then you decide to trap a backup point guard and leave DeAndre Aiden open. So that that was a head scratcher from Coach Bud, and I guess the only 
the positives were that Drew Holiday looked a lot more aggressive, even if you know he wasn't making many shots. And Giannis was amazing tonight. Yeah, he was. Actually, he was the only individual on the Milwaukee Bucks to be a plus in the plus minus as a plus three. Scored 42 points, 12 rebounds, 11 of 18 at the free throw line, which you know is, like I do, is an adventure. Only shot one of five from three, but again, for him, you're not expecting much, but very efficient from inside, 15 of 22. Looked very much like the Giannis Atentacumpo we've all come to know and appreciate. So it's a shame that it was a wasted performance, but nobody else on the Bucks stood, you know, stepped up to the plate. I mean, you had a lot of individuals there. If you want to say Pat Connaughton, he was okay, 14 points, hit four threes. But for the most part, I mean, the two individuals you needed to step up didn't step up. Chris Middleton, who has been – you know, people again. To me, I don't think he's a number one. He's often portrayed as a number one by Budenholzer in the Milwaukee Bucks because of all the pressure that's put on him in the last part of games, for the most part, because of his unique shooting skill. But he's so up and down. He's not Jay Crowder up and down, but still, as you've seen now in the previous series with Atlanta, in the previous series before that. You saw problems with him where he has those games where he just seems to take the night off. Yeah, I, I would say you did describe his game as like very variant. You know, he, he he's not someone who necessarily shoots like the same percentage every game. If he shoots yeah. 50% from the field over a series, that's going to be with games where he shoots really efficiently and games where he shoots really poorly. And uh, I think, you know, that was expected. We've seen this for, you know, three seasons with Middleton and Giannis. I think what wasn't expected is that Drew Holiday's been pretty up and down this postseason. I think overall he's shooting pretty poorly from the field. I know that, that that's skewed by um, him having a bad series against the Nets. I think it was, it was much better in the conference finals, but... I think they need they need Drew Holiday to be consistent, if anything else, right? Agreed. But if you talk about Drew Holiday, he has been a no-show on the offensive end throughout this NBA Finals so far. The thing that he's supposed to bring you the table or bring to the table each and every time out is his defense. And it certainly wasn't on there to a day as both Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and he played on both today, and they both went to town on him. 10 for 20 for Chris Paul. And he had a nice game again, 23 points for him. You had Mikhail Bridges, 27 points. Really helped in that first half get the team going, especially in that second quarter. Devin Booker chipped in with 31. Very nice game for him. But that backcourt, the the advantage is just truly right now in the in the you know just swinging to the advantage towards the Suns. And there's nothing Drew Holiday is doing right now. He's just not effective at all. But here today to also talk about his thoughts on the game and also the Lakers as well is the man behind Lakerholics.com. Laker Tom, thanks for your patience. Starting a little bit later than expected, but I do appreciate the wait. But as I was telling Spencer, it comes down to defense. The defense that you didn't play on Phoenix and the defense that is being played on your backcourt. Well, you could say Middleton's a small forward on Middleton and Drew Holiday. Well, you know, it's the thing that I 
gather from this entire series and, and frankly, from this entire playoffs is how wonderful those Phoenix Suns are playing. They're playing the kind of basketball that you have to love. Uh, smart, tough defense, hustle by everybody. Uh, doesn't matter. They they lose Sarich in the first game, and now they, they lose Torrey. They lost Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig, Craig in the second game. And they, the guys just seem to step up. I mean, uh, when you have the number four player on the team come through with a 27-point performance, and, I mean, Mikhail Bridges is just – quite an athlete. Um, you know, I find myself rooting for the Suns. I've been rooting for them ever since the Lakers series. And I just love the way they play. 20 of 40 from three-point land. Uh, they they wiped out a, a 54 to 28 lead that the Bucks had in points in the paint by outscoring them by 33 points from the three-point line. Giannis over and over was driving for shots underneath the basket what a miraculous recovery, you know, and you have to have a lot of respect for Giannis. I love the way that he, he came up to Torrey Craig after after colliding with him and 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 basically the total opposite of of um the sportsmanship that we've seen from some other players in this in these playoffs. I have nothing but respect and admiration for Giannis. Uh he did his job, I think, like you said, Gerald and uh uh, it was just, you know, it was basically four against one. You have, you have to you have to love the team that they have put together. I remember that I was one of the people that wanted the Lakers to go after Chris Paul for this season. Man, and, and just imagining what it would be like to have Chris Paul and the Lakers. I mean, we all imagined that 10 years ago when we thought the trade had gone through. But, uh, boy, the guy is, he's just ruthless, you know. Um, he has seen his championship chance, and he's taking advantage of it. I've never seen him shoot as much as he has, especially in the fourth quarter. Well, he knows what time it is. Yeah, he was not. Well, but listen, I've seen Chris in previous playoffs just disappear, you know, either injury or or just, you know, erratic he can taste it now. He's at he that level where he can taste it. He's like a horse. He's like a horse in the, or like cows out in the pasture that can smell the barn. Yes. Um, and he's got two games to go and, and he's going to be an NBA champion. No, we picked the Suns in seven, I think. Yeah. I don't think anybody yeah. picked the Suns in five. Yeah. I mean, no, there was somebody that picked the Suns in four. <laughs> well, the crowd at the Phoenix is picking the Suns in four, well, but that's beside the point. They, uh, it's looking an awful lot like Suns in four. You know, the, when you look at it in an objective manner, yeah, they just kept, they just saved home court. That's all they really did. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, oh, but that's ahead. one of the advantages of having home court for the entire series is that you get the first two games there. Yeah. So if you start that off and you can steal game three, you have the, you have it won because nobody's come back. other Unless you're the Boston Red Sox against the New York Yankees, nobody has come back from being down 3-0. That's true. in the NBA, you know? Yes, so, that's true. Although congratulations, I will be Congratulations to the Suns. Um, push the right buttons. You know, once again, you see the same situation with slow-footed traditional centers. Um, and even with one like Brooke Lopez, who can shoot lights out from distance and has proven that he can still, he can still grab the ball and dunk it underneath the basket. But man, on on defense, you know, 
you know, they're going to have to do something to stop Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker from getting the guards on their, on their rear end, getting the guards on their hip and, and drop coverage where the center is pulling back and just trying to protect from letting another big man get a dunk. And, and they're just over and over killing him with these 12 to 15 foot two point shots. You know, all of the analytics people are just, you know, going crazy and, the thing you have to realize is that there's probably, I don't know, 15 stars in the NBA who are maybe the 15 top players in the league, perimeter players, who definitely shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers and can kill you doing it, whether it's Kawhi Leonard or Chris Paul. Um, those are good shots, man. When you shoot 75 80% on those type of shots, you know, that's like shooting 60% on threes. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Milwaukee to come back. I'm happy to, I'm just thrilled to see how that Giannis is showing no ill effects from that injury. I mean, it's just, you know, you seeing guys go out with injuries is just like one of the most disappointing things about this particular season. And it, it still has a bad taste in my mouth, um, primarily because I'm a Lakers fan and, and we were the team that first paid the penalty for that. So we'll see what happens as we move forward. But I have a hunch that we've only got a couple games left in this series. Spencer, before we close this part of the conversation out, I want to hear your thoughts. If you're Mike Budenholzer, I, for me, it's just as simple. You've played, or at least Phoenix has played Brooke Lopez off the court in both games. Uh, the switching deal is just not working. As you noted earlier in the beginning, Bobby Portis wasn't the answer as of yet. I think they need to go pretty much the entire game with Giannis at the five. Your thoughts on what you would do if you're Budenholzer at this point in time? Because if he does go out in a sweep, that seat will still be plenty warm. Okay, he's he's too conservative as a coach to start the game with Giannis at the five. He's closed the game with Giannis at the five. Second so, half, though. Yeah, second half. Game three. But, yeah, um, right, I, I think when Brooke Lopez is on the floor, I would, I would just pack the paint and let um, Jay Crowder and – I'm a little iffy on Mikhail Bridges, but those are the two people I dare to shoot threes. Right. And, you know, Jay Crowder, he goes 0 for 8 one game. He goes like 6 for 6. I don't know what he was today. He played fine. But, you know, he's he's the most up-and-down shooter. I've. He's like the definition of up-and-down, right? So Definition of streaky, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so I would, if you're going to play drop coverage, just – Stop conceding mid-range shots. I know that's like easy to say, it's hard to do in practice, but stop conceding mid-range shots and just dare role players to beat you. Because if I mean, if role players beat you, then you know what what else can you do? But if Chris, if you like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, get in a comfort zone and score, you know, twenty-five plus every night, you don't have a chance, anyways. Well, we'll see in Game Three as the series shifts towards Milwaukee. With Phoenix now having a two games and none lead, will Laker Tom be right? And this could end up needing a broom for a sweep. We'll see what happens there, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. Let us know at Laker Tom, medium.com slash basketball dash university or at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter as well. This is Raphael from NBA Draft and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped 
and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to Manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at Manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. But guys, there's so much more to talk about on the show before we head on out, and that is something that came up for Jamie and also for Laker Tom at Lakerholics.com. And you know I always love a good conversation at Lakerholics.com because the conversation did go a little bit awry on both occasions. And Laker Tom is the only one I know that provides a long comment after his own long article. So he's the only human being I know that does that. But you know what? It's great to see. That's for the guys that don't that won't click the read more link. Well, that's true. That's true. That's probably like me. But like you talked about Spencer's, and I've read a couple of his articles that are long. But you know, when you put yours together with your original article and your comment, and then your rebuttal to a comment, and then your rebuttal to a comment on that, I think it trumps Spencer's articles. I just want to say word for word, but. <laughs> Need I digress? There was two articles at Lakerholics.com, which you want to go ahead and touch on for the rest of the show. The first one was our friend, most of the time, Admiral Akbar, the man himself, Mr. Fourth of July, Jamie Sweet, the madman on the freeways. He was he went ahead and put out on his latest five things. Didn't make Tom too mad this time, which was a good thing. And that was the top five minimum bets that he decided upon for his article. So he decided on a few different actually selections than I would, but I'm here today to talk about with you guys, your thoughts on it. So I want to hear your thoughts on this and we're going to go and talk about it right now. His first, well, his five, his five are going to be JJ Redick, Carmelo Anthony, Tony Snell from Atlanta and also as well, although is he with Detroit now or is he with Atlanta still? Tony Snell. Yeah. Is he with Atlanta or is he with Detroit? He was with Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. He was with Atlanta. He's hopped around in the last couple of years of his career. So it's kind of hard to keep track of where he ends up because he's always a throw in on a trade seemingly like, you know, every time I, I take a look. So he's a, he's Atlanta and also Paul Millsap and Kent Bazemore. So, guys, hearing that, before I even share my thoughts on it, Laker Tom, we'll start with you first. I know you commented already at LakerHolics.com, but go ahead, you know, elaborate on what you liked and you didn't like about those five possible minimum vet salary type deals that they could possibly get. Are these good additions, not good additions? You tell me. I, th- I think it's, it's a little mixed bag. Um, I, I agree. I agree. You know, I I definitely like JJ Reddick. Not going to come here. Worry, you worry about whether or not his career is over, uh, how much how much he still has in the tank. But shoot or shoot, you know. 
but yeah. he's not going to come here because he li- his family lives in Brooklyn and he made a stink when he didn't get right. sent to Brooklyn. No, he's, he went to Santa Dallas. Think he's going to go to go to the Nets, but you never know. Um, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to go home to go home and win a championship. Um, I do. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Bazemore's. I think that he's he's sort of slumped down on on where I thought he went, could be at one point in time. Snell has a great shooting percentage, but doesn't take many threes. We got a whole lineup of guys that shoot good percentage, but don't make many threes. There's a difference between the player who can go out there and shoot eight or nine threes a game regularly and shoot 38, 39% versus a guy who shoots 1.2 threes per game and shoots 38%. You know, it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different game to be the kind of player to be able to get open and have the confidence and the support of the coach and your teammates to take that many threes. You know, that's, that's a really valuable player. And that's one of the things that we're really missing. Who are the other three that he had? Well, he had Paul Millsap. You know, Millsap's an interesting situation because what I'm, I'm in the middle of working on an article and I'll probably publish tomorrow. And the gist of the article is whether or not, the Lakers are making a mistake by accommodating Anthony Davis's desire to play the four. I have five reasons that I think that that's a serious mistake. So look for that article tomorrow. Do we do we need to send your column over over to the five things? Do we need to swap you and Jamie? No, he doesn't okay. have a license on five things. I I have five okay. reasons in okay. this particular situation. Okay. But I but one of the things that's that's interesting when you think about it is. Everybody's so worried about Anthony Davis getting injured. And how does he really get injured? And what can you do to prevent that? One of the things that you have to start with is that Anthony Davis is the best player on the team. His best position is center, small ball center. The Lakers' best five-man lineup is with Anthony Davis at center. He's willing to play that position. He played it for 60% in the bubble to win the championship. He played 10% during these playoffs. So when you look at a guy like Millsap, right now we're looking for centers. And we've gone through two years of looking for a center to pair up with Anthony Davis. We've tried, we've tried a modern center offensively and in Mark Gasol. um, And, you know, Mark averages like two threes a game. That's, that's really not a stretch five, you know, in that sense. And and basically what I think we really need is we need to play AD at the five and get a really bully ball power forward who can guard and play small ball center against the centers. So when we go up against an Embiid or we go up against uh, Jokic or somebody who's a real bruiser like that, you've got two options. First, those, those types of guys, Embiid and, and Jokic, we're probably going to double them most of the time. You take the ball out of their hands. You don't want to let them beat you. And so you don't have to really just let AD get beat up underneath the post. And I think we have to look at that situation. So I do, I do happen to like that because I think that our focus shouldn't be on finding a defensive center to play with AD at the four. I think instead we should pay AD at the five and get a bruising bully ball, a Julius Randle type of player to play the four. 
I understand that, but we're talking about minimum bets here. Minimum no, bets. So I like the idea of of getting a power forward, and we haven't been looking for many power. Forwards. And the last last name on his list before you give us your minimum bet thing, because I'm going to hit Spencer up with this. But okay. the yeah. last thing, Laker Tom, I want you to comment on was his last choice. Actually, it was his number two choice, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I think Carmelo's a good good situation. The other article that I have that I'm working on is uh, the revival of the banana boat. And uh, if Carmelo is coming to the Lakers to play along with his good buddy LeBron, and Chris Paul just won a championship and is has an option to either opt out of his contract, he has a player option for this year, uh, it's very possible, I think, that there's some potential out there for a banana boat recovery, at least 75% of it. I don't think they're going to get Dwayne Wade out of, out of retirement, but no, I think that for the exact same reason I was just talking about looking for a power forward, Carmelo small forward, but when you get older, like he is, and you're a little slower, you become more of a power forward. And I think that he would be a good choice for the Lakers. I mean, we've both had these conversations with Raphael Barlow, a Portland Trailblazers fan who drives himself crazy with, you know, with looking at Carmelo and what he thinks Carmelo doesn't do right for the for the Blazers. The thing the Lakers need that, that Melo can provide is a guy who can get his own shot anytime, anywhere. You know, we don't have many people that can do that. LeBron and AD are the closest things we got to it. Plus, he's a good catch and shoot from three. Yep. Yep. And, you know, so I, I, I think there's something to that. I mean, I, you see these articles also about us looking at players like DeRozan, for example, who can't shoot, and, and, and other players who can't shoot. Uh, Dinwiddie, who, again, is another poor shooter. Yeah, you need a lot of things for a team, and the Lakers have more than one need. They need a player who can, who can get his own shot. But they really, what they really, really, really need this guys who shoot a lot of threes and can make them guys who are used to moving around and getting open for those. So, you know, the more of those players that they get, the better we'll be. Mello is one thing, but he is not shy. Okay. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Spencer. So you heard the list. It is as follows. Once again, let me read it out there to everyone. JJ Redick, Carmelo, Anthony, Tony Snell, Paul Millsap and Kent Bazemore as possibilities brought up by our own Jamie Sweet as far as five minimum veteran salaries that you are, are thinking that may be possibilities for the Lakers. Your thoughts on any of these five? Oh, yeah. I think Paul Millsap is a bit of a stretch in terms of value. I think he's closer to, like, the taxpayer MLE. He's closer to retirement, personally. Well, yeah, that's also true. I mean, I mean, that would be... No, a- we're assuming all of these are at minimum salary, right? Yeah, yes, no, yes. No. Okay. Just like the likelihood. Here. If they go ring chasing, let's say the, let's say all of them are enchanted to go ring chasing. Yeah, I, I like Millsap as, as, a, um, as a four who's physical but can also shoot threes. Um, can play like, small ball five. Yeah, I like Carmelo. Could, but, not any longer. I like Carmelo. Anybody who saw the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Just depends on the matchup, Gerald. All right. A I guy like who can shoot threes, who can stand out there beyond the three-point. Well, let Spencer finish here. Let, go ahead, Spencer. Okay. Uh, I think Carmelo's fine, assuming Kuzma's gone, but just not both at the same time. I think that's too much non-defense. Uh, I think the biggest thing I would add is that 
you know, I, I watched the playoffs and probably the biggest takeaway for the Lakers is that you need a wing who can guard Kevin Durant, right? He, he was unguardable. And against the Bucks, right, they have P.J. Tucker, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. That's not a group of defenders you'd look at and say, oh, any of those are liabilities. And you look at the Lakers, we'd be throwing, as currently constructed, we'd be throwing 36 to 37-year-old LeBron, Kuzma, and what, some AD, like Kevin Durant. Like, you have, he's the guy you have to stop if you want to win a ring. If, assuming, like, no injuries, he's the one guy you have to stop. So, anyways, the targets I would have, Mo Harkless, Trevor Ariza, Andre Iguodala, and... Otto Porter. Otto Porter, I think, is going to price himself out, but yeah. he would be a great hit. I agree with you on that. Mo Harkless, is he going to be the Mo Harkless that shot 40% in New York? Is he going to be mm-hmm. the one that disappointed when he was given a, a better role or an opportunity to have a better role, I think, with Sacramento? I think, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, he was traded to Miami. Is that correct? Or other way around. I think you're right. Other way around. Miami to see. Yeah, he was a disappointment with Miami and then moved, was moved over to Sacramento. So I mean, I thought he was fine with the Clippers, though. That's Yeah, he was fine with the Clippers and then played really well with the Knicks. And then it just seems to be that situation. He's a situation guy. You don't know which situation he's going to thrive in. So you don't know what type of team he's going to thrive in. That It's going to take a lot of research to see which type of environment he can truly thrive in. I like Otto Porter Jr. If you can get him on the cheap, absolutely, to revive his career on a one-year deal, that would be awesome because he, you know, tall, 6'8", can play the wing, has been known to shoot very well at times from the three-point area, so that would be a great get. I mean, your choices were very good. The thing is, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to get all of those at a minimum price, but if you can, obviously, any of those four are a great get. I mean, they're... They're just really players that they can compete. Millsap, for me, this list, I'm going to start right again. I think Millsap is over the hill. I think, you know, you're you're talking about uh, players don't all age like LeBron. Let's just put out there, and as we're seeing from Chris Paul. Yeah, or Chris Paul. Players don't all age these days like them. There are players that age at 33, 32, 34 in that area lot faster and Paul Millsap as we've seen once he lost that starting gig in Denver just has not been the same player since and he gave them nothing in the playoffs in Denver so I'd be kind of hesitant to give more than just a minimum deal for him when it comes to J.J. Redick he's going to Brooklyn it's no doubt about that especially the fact that he was so upset he didn't get to go over there in the first place and he got traded to Dallas I think that was a, a stab in the back by the organization in New Orleans. And there's some big issues there other than that. So you know, he just goes ahead and just tells you on his podcast anyways. Carmelo, like Spencer said, great offensively, get, you know, good rebounder, but even at his age, but still defensively, you you know, it's going to be a, very much of an adventure. Tony Snell, like Laker Tom says, he can shoot 40%, but if he only shoots three threes a game and if he's only in there 10, 12 minutes, I don't know how much that helps you. I mean, really, I don't know how much that helps you, but you know, if he's dependent on more than that and he produces more than that, you never know. But I think it's probably whatever stop that he goes to next year will probably be one of his last stops unless he really starts to prove himself as a player 
in a spot where he was drafted at and what people thought he was really going to be going forward. And it's for, unfortunately not really turned out to be the case. And last but not least, Kent Bazemore. We've already been there, done that with Kent Bazemore. I really don't want to do that again. I really thought it was something where he played okay in Golden State. He was relied on a lot heavier than I think Golden State wanted to rely on him. And I think if you're going to do the same thing in LA, I think you're in a lot of trouble. I think it's just, he's just, he's a player, like he's, he's a safety valve, but he's not the safety valve you truly want. I, I know Laker Tom would probably get a lot of angst watching Kent Bazemore in a Lakers uniform once again. So I think that would probably be a, a little bit risky. We'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Laker Tom, before we go to yours, I guess I'm going to put it as my top five. I know Kim Birch has talked about going a really solid center that can play on the perimeter as far as defensively and also rebound. But I think he's going to stay in Toronto because he he is from Canada and really likes it there. Trey Lyles can hit the three, but again, it's a situation. See Tony Snell, see Trey Lyles. They're very similar as far as their careers, very highly regarded initially, and both have fallen from there. Patty Mills, I think he, you know, we'll see in the Olympics how well he does for Team Australia, but I think he can do some how things. How old is he now? 32, 33 really? in that range. Like Westbrook uh, being 31, I, he feels like, it feels like he's 35. Well, remember, he was one of the, the individuals I thought San Antonio was going to get rid of because I thought they weren't going to be chasing a playoff spot, but they ended up sneaking in and they held on to him. And I think that Patty Mills can still play a, I think he's got another year, good year left. So I think that would be a decent pickup if they could do that. Austin Rivers, I know everybody shakes their head no, but the guy can play you in can or score. the guy can play you out. Yeah, he can score and he can play you in and he can play you out of a game real quickly. The thing is, you know, Denver, you saw what he did with Denver. He had to by necessarily get off the couch, you know, while he was watching TV, got called up by Denver, and all of a sudden he's starting in the playoffs. So you can see he's he's a tested guard that as a backup coming off the bench, I could see as a versatile six five that can play both guard positions. I, I'd say you know that would there there are worse options out there. And then as a minimum, again, I was like Spencer Young, if Otto Porter Jr. is available, you go ahead and you try to woo yeah, him. He's not going to be available for the minimum, unfortunately. Yeah, I know that's that's a long <laughs> shot at best. But the last thing I want to hit you up with, Laker Tom, as you mentioned your options as far as the concern for minimums, is to me it also comes down to the scouting that the Lakers do. And I know everybody loves what Jesse Buss is doing and, and things of that nature, but 
The thing is, you don't hear those great Laker pickups like from Europe, from the G League that you've seen other clubs pick up in recent times, like Trey Burke. You see, you know, with Dallas, who did some the buyout last market year. this year, we Cameron, really didn't do that well there. Cameron Payne has done a sensational job in Phoenix, and he was a pickup. Reggie Jackson was a waiver wire pickup, even though that was something that he wanted to go to the Clippers. Two and, very good point guards that yeah. were picked up for nothing. Yeah, at Campazzo, he was picked up from Europe. You know, I know he's a little bit undersized defensively, but he's a little firebug and has someone coming off the bench who can really pass the ball. He was someone that helped out Denver a lot. So I don't see the Lakers doing what it takes as far as scouting is concerned to pick up one of these players. They get the J.R. Smith, the Dion Waiters, the Andre Drummonds, you know, the individuals that don't end up working out the way you wanted to. But Laker Tom, as you mentioned, your options for minimum vets, do you think something needs to be done as far as scouting is concerned as well? You know, I, I almost think in some ways that there are certain players who want to play with LeBron James and certain players who don't want to play with LeBron James. We'll see next week and when we watch Space Jam. Yeah, it's it's the difference between knowing that you have a bigger opportunity to make an impact and maybe to earn a contract with some of the other teams. I mean, and and it's not like the stories you hear that, oh, the Lakers were the defending champions and everybody now is going to gravitate to wanting to sign a minimum contract for the Lakers in order to just ride along and bandwagon their way to another, to a championship ring. Instead, you got a lot of guys who are basically looking at what is the opportunity that, that I'd have with the Lakers? How many minutes am I going to play? What, what chance am I going to have to be an impact player? If you're Andre Drummond, <laughs> you get a promise that you're going to start, you know, and that's a big deal. We need so many things. We need a point guard because Dennis is not the answer. We absolutely need three-point shooting, volume three-point shooting. Uh, we know this, but, you know, let's say you are sitting and, there. And, and we, also, we, also need, we also need wing defenders. We need, the PG, we need P.J. Tuckers and, 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 uh, and guys like that who can, who can really get after it. I mean, Crowder, for example, I would love to have Crowder on the Lakers. Uh, he's a guy who can play good defense. He's streaky as hell for shooting, but he's not afraid to launch, you know. He's looking for his shot all the time. But if you were to go ahead and say you need to fill up the back of the roster with veteran minimums, who are your targets? Boogie, probably. There you go. I, I, think, that you I, think, he's, I think he's got something that we need, long-range shooting, some toughness. Can play inside if you want. Yeah. He would be one of the guys that would be at the top of my list. And definitely before, you know, I, I mean, I see all these people wanting to bring back uh, Dwight Howard and bring back JaVale McGee and and some sort I, of yeah, I, running back. I, let me put it this way. If I, even if I wanted sense. to, even if I wanted that to happen, I'm not going to say it because <laughs> you would take such offense to it and I would get a headache. So, But yeah. to be honest with you, I wouldn't want that either. I would probably be looking hard at wings. I mean, I think. Uh, I think Spencer's suggestion of Harkness, you know, he's a, you just can't have, you just can't have KCP guarding Kawhi or Kuzma guarding Durant, you know, and then the other thing is too, we could put LeBron and AD on two of their three superstars, but who's going to guard the third superstar? You're not going to put Dennis Schroeder on Kyrie. Kyrie will eat him up. You know, you need somebody 
in that mix, you know, I mean, I happen to be a big fan of, of Drew Holiday's. I think his defense is spectacular. And he's the kind of guy that you want to have on a Kyrie Irving. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I know that I know that both of you felt that he got shredded today guarding Devin Booker and Chris Paul. But four out of five times, that's the way it works in the NBA. Yeah, but know? we're talking veteran Pretty minimum awesome. salaries. You're not going to get Drew Holiday, who Milwaukee gave up a No, but you need, somebody, you need somebody with that defensive with that defensive ability. And there are guys out there who can play defense. The problem is, is they can't shoot. Yes. And there are guys out there that can shoot, but the problem is they can't play defense. Yes. We have a coach who's a defensive coach. And when you try to shove things down his throat, whether it's, whether it's Ben McLemore, who's a volume three point shooter or, you know, or from last year, it was, you know, the guys that we brought in J.R. Smith and, uh, and players like that, it, They'll get some play in the regular season, just like McGee and Howard did. But once we get into the playoffs, if they can't play defense, they're not going to hit the court. So you, you got to find somebody who fits that medium ground. So, you know, I, I, I think what's going to happen, what we're seeing now with these minimum contract players, unless you really are able to pull off and, and maybe we do need some help in the scouting department, but to pull off, to be able to go out there and get a Reggie Jackson or to go out and get a Cameron Payne. Two guys who basically were brought in on minimum contracts who, who based upon their performance, are going to make $15 million a year on their next contract. Um, so I think a lot of what's going to happen for the Lakers is I think they'll, they'll get some guys, I'll probably a lot of guys from the existing team will come back. Markeith Morris was the closest thing we had to a buyout market candidate that was striking gold because he was definitely you know he was definitely the key fifth starter in in the playoffs when we went small ball so I think he's going to be back I I think that you're going to see a lot of the guys who were I, I think you may see Dudley come back even to your demise you know and I think the Lakers will start off with a lot of the same players they had from last year uh at the end of the at the end of the roster uh, maybe there'll be a couple new faces here and there, but I think more likely that we'll see things happen around the trade deadline when people start to get bought out. And I think that just like this year and just like last year, there were more transactions in the buyout market than there were in the free agency market. There were more players who changed teams from buyouts. And if you were to go down and say, Let's talk about the minimum contract players and when they moved, when they were signed and when they were, those transactions all happened. I think that's where you were going to see all of the changes of the minimum players. I think around the trade deadline in the middle of the season, we're going to see a huge another buyout market where you see a lot of movement and a lot of players, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see another range of guys, another round of guys like Kevin Love, who suddenly are going to be a minimum player because somebody bought him out. Um, and, I, and I think that that's what we're going to see over and over from now on. It seems we've seen that the last two years, that the buyout market has become really critical. Look at all of the players that were added to key teams from that buyout market this year. And some of them did a lot better than Drummond and McLemore did for us, even though I was really high on both of those picks at the start. 
but again, it's hard to fit them into a team. Um, so, you know, and then, and then when you really come down to it, are they the important things? I don't, I don't necessarily think the 11 through 15th players are very important. If you get to a point where you're playing the 11th through 15th players, it means that you've had some serious injury problems and you've lost half of your, half of your first 10 players, you know? I, I think, disagree with you. I, I think, think the problem with the Lakers isn't the quality of the depth of the rotation. It's the quality of the non-superstars on the starting lineup. I think it's an issue with both. It's Schroeder, KCP, and Drummond. Those are the guys who couldn't be playing for either one of these two teams that are out there today. Mm, I disagree on that as well, but I'm not going to get Which one of them, Which one of those do you think is going to be playing? Not starting, but KCP, I think, coming off well, the bench. Well, there are three starters on our team. And you're well, saying, you said playing. You didn't say neither starting. One of them, neither of those say... three would start for the Suns. Well, now you change it from play to start. Bucks. That's different. Now, that's, well, that's different. Well, you're misinterpreting what I said. Okay. I'm I said that we have three starters who couldn't start for either one of the teams left in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Well, you said play first, so I thought you meant play. And then now you say start. So if you're saying start, and that's what you actually originally meant, then I agree with you on the starting. Now playing, I think KCP would We're not going to win if three of our starters can't start for two teams that probably won't be the teams making the playoffs next year. Well, that's true. But again, Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, the Lakers were actually up in the series and only down one point in the second quarter as AD went down with those three individuals involved. So... But well, I you're right. I would if I was on if I saw them on Phoenix, I would not start them either. So I, I, I'm going to agree with you on that. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was the last skywalker i know condolences to me wow man right i i just had talked about that and i completely forgot that i saw that movie yes (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't speak great things about it i suppose that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts but Spencer, before we head on out and before Laker Tom also as well tells everybody how to go ahead and check out Lakerholics.com. And yes, I do agree after Laker Tom clarified what he said. Laker Tom, speaking of which, at Lakerholics.com had a recent article to hard cap or luxury tax. I don't think that's actually what Shakespeare said, but that is the question for today's show. Should they go just hard cap and you know, leave it there and not go into the luxury tax or should they dip their toes into the luxury tax? I'm going to start off right here and say, yes, they should. As long as LeBron James, he has a window that is very limited now, as we've seen, especially with the injuries that he's had two out of three years. And we've seen with AD's fragility in two of the past three years. So I want to hear your thoughts, Spencer, to hard cap or to luxury tax. That is the question. I have to say luxury tax. I mean, hard capping, it it becomes hard just to build a roster when you're hard capped. And so 
uh, I saw like a hypothetical scenario where we get Kyle Lowry we're in a sign and trade, so we're hard capped. And then you use the full MLE on DeMar DeRozan, which is, I mean, that's out there. But um, irregardless, I mean, if you're hard capped, you're going to use the full MLE. Building a roster with minimum salaries, like, so you have LeBron, you have AD, you have Marcus Gasol, maybe you re-sign Caruso and THT. The rest of the roster has to be minimum contracts, and it becomes so difficult just to build 15 players on minimum contracts when you're hard cap. And yeah, I know, I know being in the luxury tax and paying, you know, crazy repeater taxes is there's, there's problems that come with that. But I think if you're the Lakers, it's, it's go time, right? You've got to win. Now you have basically two years to go get um, banner number 18. So you're going to pay what it takes. And the teams you're competing with, let's, like let's assume Golden State's a contender next year. Brooklyn's gonna pay whatever tax it costs to have three superstars. Golden State's gonna pay the tax that comes with having uh, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. Plus they've got a lot more assets to go ahead and, and build upon that team. Yeah, right. I know there's more. I'm sure the Clippers are gonna have a huge like yeah, and, but they've got a billionaire backing them up and a new stadium that they're going to go into here in the not too distant future. I think if you just looked at it as who are the Lakers competing against, look at their competitors, they're all in the luxury tax. So it's time for LA to be in the luxury tax, unless we get, you know, like Kyle Lowry in a sign and trade. But, you know, hard capping yourself just to get Montrez Hero, that, that was a mistake. You know, if you're Genie Buzz, you can always sell some extra shares, you know, to the new to the new guys, the Dodger owners. There you go. They still won't be the majority governors of the team because you've got over 60%. So if you're a little hard on the cash, head over to Chavez Ravine and say to the Dodgers owners, there you go. Here's a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. You pay me a little bit more. Oh, there you go. There's a little bit more of the Lakers there for you. But Laker Tom, before we head on out, you brought it up in your great article. And if they need to go ahead and check it out, they should check it out at LakerHollis.com. It is very extensive and also very detailed. And my compliments to you on that. But before we head on out, just uh, maybe some idea of what to expect. But again, Spencer and I are in agreement. As long as you have LeBron AD on this window, it's got to be there. You got to do whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, what I went through was a sort of an exercise because it's easy to just say one or the other, and 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 there are there are some attractive free agents that I think could really make a difference. And just for anybody who's watching the show who doesn't realize it, that there are inbound and outbound sign and trades. So, for example, if we sign and trade Dennis Schroeder to another team, that doesn't have any penalties associated with it. But and I will we, tell you that they can hold the draft pick. They only need to hold on to him for 30 days. Mm-hmm. So they can make yeah. an agreement on a trade, sit on him for 30 days. And then, but if, trade. yeah, but if we try to, if, but if we try to trade where we're bringing in a sign and trade player, then we get hard capped. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you can also get hard capped if you use more than the, more than the taxpayer, more than $5.8 million in your, in your uh, mid-level exception, or if you use the biennial exception. Now we can't use the biennial because we used it last year. So what I did is I actually I actually did salary cap calculations. For, uh, don't forget Luol Dang is still sitting there. Yeah, for Luol year. Dang's $5 million. But, but what I did is do salary cap calculations and this is what they revealed. Number one, 
there's a limit to how much you can pay for this free agent that you're going to sign and trade for. If you want to also bring back THT, Alex Caruso, keep your draft pick and have your MLE, even just the taxpayer MLE. So if you do all of those things, you can't pay more than $22 million a year, which is about what you'd probably pay Kyle Lowry. And then you would be up against the cap all year long. Every time you wanted to make a trade, you would have to make sure that you didn't send out more money than you brought it. You wouldn't bring back more money than you send out and so forth. For example, we could do it for Kyle Lowry and it's not impossible that the Lakers will try to do it. I do think that there is a sort of a feeling in a lot of lock, in a lot of front offices that, hey, you know, one good thing about the about the sign and trade is and getting hard capped is that we don't have to spend all that money. You know, we got something to tell the fans. Hey, we can't we can't do it because we're hard capped. But the problem is, is that if you want to do somebody like Chris Paul, you can't do it because he makes thirty six million. Yeah, you can do Chris Paul, but you're going to have to give up KCP or you're going to have to give up THT and Caruso. I'm not going to do that for Chris Paul. I mean, and so you get into this situation where it's almost becomes imperative that we only go after free agents that we can fit into the MLE and we look to trade. And we look to do sign and trades with our own free agents to make sure that we can maximize the amount of money we got. Because if there's no limit to it, we can use bird rights to bring back Schroeder. And we may do that. You know, if we could get Buddy Heal, for example, if we could trade Kuzma for Heal, all of a sudden Schroeder is not as bad as the as a point guard because your guard that you have with him shoots 10 threes a game. So, and shoots at 40%. So you get some balance there, you know. By the same token, if we had, if we had a shooter like, Healed and like healed or or Rozier in the in the backcourt, somebody who shoots a lot of threes. I could even see scenarios where a Westbrook who doesn't shoot threes well, uh, or a a Demar Derozan who's not a really a three point shooter. I could see where somebody who is a really efficient uh, mid range shooter could fit into that situation. But you just have to decide where you're going to put the needs and so forth. So. I think the big thing about that article is that that I really took some actual numbers and made some actual calculations on exactly what happens if we do go and get hard capped and and what does that limit at us and and it's really that twenty two million dollars you can hard cap and bring in a free agent for twenty two million and still keep Caruso and THT your draft pick and your full MLE but if you do anything more than that you got to give up some of those things whereas if you do the other route. You look to trade Schroeder and Harrell in sign and trades, which aren't going to hard cap you because they're outgoing people. And that'll, it doesn't matter because you can still go over the cap to use your MLE. You can still go over the cap to sign Caruso. You can still go over the cap to sign THT. Now, if you do all of those things, let's say you brought in Terry Rozier and, and, and Buddy Hill to take care of brand new front court and you let Harrell and, 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 uh, Schroeder walk, you're going to have a pretty big salary, you know, gonna, it's going to jump up there and you're going to end up paying around $47 million in luxury taxes. 
You're going to have $190 million payroll, which is right up there with, you know, I mean, the estimates for the Warriors are close to $100 million. The estimates for this, for the in luxury taxes, the estimates for the Brooklyn Nets, it's like 60, 70 million. And the Lakers, if they were to follow that route that I recommend, even if they trade for a couple of big name shooters, they're still going to be paying $50 million more than if they would allow themselves to be hard capped and brought in Kyle Lowry. You want Kyle Lowry and $50 million, or do you want Terry Rozier and Buddy Heald and you don't have the $50 million because you got to spend it? So let me ask you this, to put things bluntly again, to hard cap or pay luxury tax? Luxury tax, man. It's not my money. It's Jeannie's money. (laughs) There you go. Well, see, if we were at school right now and we're all taking the test, you're the only person I know that would take a true or false question and make it an essay question instead. (laughs) But, guys, it's been great talking to each and every one of you. You know, you've been so incredible on the show again. We look forward to what we got up ahead here at the Lakers Fast Break, including another show on Monday. I've also got a conversation I'm going to put up here in the next few days in regards to a conversation I had with TJ Johnson in regards to the ESPN debacle going on with Maria Taylor and also as well, Rachel Nichols, the comments on that. So he has some great insight into that. I also have stuff going on in regards to a new or upcoming a 3.0 for a mock draft. That comes now. Some changes are going to be made because of the individuals going back to college. They had to, the deadline was on the seventh, so they made their choices now. So we're going to have to tweak. Has everybody made their choices? Is that you have to overseas? European is later. That's the nineteenth. Okay. The seventh is when the college individuals have to decide whether or not they want to go to college or stay in the draft. So they made oh, their choices okay. now. The individuals there yesterday. So we'll. Go ahead. I'm going to provide a mock draft here, an audio version, and also a written version coming up here next week as well. And also on Wednesday, actually the 14th, I've got to go ahead and let everybody know that I have an interview that I'm going to post as well with Lee Montville, former writer for the Boston Globe, former writer for Sports Illustrated. He has a new book coming out called Tall Men, Short Shorts, about the 1969 NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Lakers. It's a great read. I've already been through quite a bit already of it. I really am enjoying it. It takes me back to a time when I was born. I was in diapers when this series happened. So for me, it's kind of special because 1969 is the year of my birth. And anything that happened along that time, whether it's the moon landing or one of the greatest NBA Finals ever, because it was so close and people need to check out our conversation and we'll tell you why. That happened, and that's coming up next week as well. So look for that on the 14th. His book comes out on the 13th, and you can go ahead. It's Tall Men, Short Shorts by Lee Monville. That comes out on the 13th. It's a great book already. Highly recommend it. And you can actually pre-order that right now at a discount at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I think, well, I know Amazon, but I think Barnes & Noble as well. But, guys, before we announce, Spencer, I know you're working on some great things at basketball-university on medium.com. Not going to exclude you and appreciate all the time that you gave to today's show and listening to Laker Tom give out that essay answer for that true and false question. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on at Basketball University. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you know, covering basketball for the past two seasons has been exhausting. So I'm kind of looking forward to having a break in between, you know, the finals and draft. It, it's felt like two seasons packed into one almost. Don't forget the Olympics, my friend. Oh, it, it's okay. 
Um, but <laughs> I think, you know, the ESPN story about Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols really caught my eye. So I've been doing research about that and uh, I might be coming out with an article about that. I know we'll definitely publish content as the finals goes on. And uh, yeah, we'll start looking at free agency and the draft. It's very juicy what's going on with this whole ESPN story. Marie Taylor has now been reportedly, even after my conversation with TJ, have been offered as much as two, three million dollars. She's looking to get five. I think there was an offer originally on the table for five million dollars, and I guess they said no, and it went down to two. And then this whole debacle happened with a lot of stuff that was said and done. So please check out my conversation with TJ Johnson coming up this week, and the article that Spencer has coming up at Basketball Dash University to watch what's going on. It's some just incredible, poor taste, choice of words by Rachel Nichols, just really disappointing what she said. But to see all the stuff behind the scenes going on the ESPN, it always happens there. That, that's, that place is just, for decades now, has just been like this perpetual environment of mistreatment, backstabbing, you know, bitterness, things of that nature. And we cover it all in my conversation, but I'm sure Spencer Young, please check out his article as well, because he probably covers it as well as far as the, also the poor choice of words by Rachel Nichols, the fallout from that, and what's going on as far as maybe for Malika Andrews, because I think she's the best of all three, and I'm really happy she's gotten the slot. Didn't exactly get the way she thought she would, but now puts her in a little bit of a spotlight. So I'm really thankful that she's gotten it because I really thought she did a great job in the bubble. Maria Taylor to me is really solid, but do you want to spend three to $5 million on her a year? Is she going to be your face of your ESPN going forward? Because she's been very much of the face of ESPN. So we talk about all that stuff, TJ Johnson and I. So we'll talk about all those parameters. It's a great conversation on the ESPN situation that's going on right now concerning the NBA Finals coverage. So, yes, check that out. That's coming up here in the near future. A lot of great stuff, plus us on Monday. So we're going to talk about a lot of great things coming up on Monday. I know some of the guys may be with us, Jamie Sweet maybe, some of the other guys as well. I know a lot of our consumers talk about, where's Elrob? Where's Elrob? So I don't know. You know, you got to go ahead and we can reach out to Elrob. Hopefully we can get a hold of him as well. Is after the game work for you guys on Sunday? Yeah. Okay, then we'll be back after game three for our live feed. And for those listening, we'll be here on Monday then to talk about game three. Will Laker Tom be right? And this be a sweep right there for you? We'll find out coming up on Monday's show right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.